<laughs> Booyah, Shane. You always had a situation in a big way, man. express myself sometimes when I need to be properly different. Fuck. Welcome to the lockdown. Uh, before we start, opinions expressed are solely our own and do not express the views of our employers, so don't be coming at us. Tonight, we welcome uh, a UK MMA household name, one of my oldest friends, professional fighter, Deniston Mad Max Sutherland. Hailing from Jamaica, Deniston started his uh, fight career, so to speak, uh, boxing in Jamaica, moved over to the UK to form a successful MMA career as a professional fighter. Now a veteran of nearly 40 fights, Max has fought some of the best uh, the UK has had to offer, including Neil Grove, John Phillips, Tom Watson, Carlos Vermola, Mark Weir, and also current UFC, UFC standout Claudio Enrique da Silva. This former training partner of Roger Gracie is going to tell us all what he thinks about COVID-19 and everything else. Welcome, Max. How Thanks, are man. you, brother? I thought we could intro. Like that. Both my chest up. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now just, yeah. to kick, just to kick things off, how long have you been in the UK for now? I'm pretty sure I met you not long after you came, but just remind us, how long have you been? Uh, uh, Since 99. 99. Mm. So a little bit after. I probably met you early, early 2000, 2001, something like that. Uh, um, we met when I started MMA, which is, I started, was this 2005? 2005, okay. Okay. That's when I started, yeah. 2005. So what, what brought you over from Jamaica to the UK? And this is going to be my time just to ask you loads of questions that I know you've asked, uh, told me the answers to, but I'm just going to ask them again. So what, what made you come over from Jamaica? Opportunities, man. Um, Jamaica is a, a very progressive so, you know, everything that's here eventually is there, but it's a few years behind. Mm. All right. So um, there's a gap between the rich and the poor that's very rarely bridged. And you know, as a young man growing up, you know, you, you see all the things that you want. And I was, I was brought up in the ghetto, mate. So things is rough there. I didn't see me get into uptown based on what I see around me moving up outside of um doing something i don't really want to do you know what I'm and this was kingston jamaica you grew up in kingston jamaica correct yes yes and what I was it i grew up in kingston so can you give us an idea of what it was like being a young a youngster in 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 jamaica you know when you were when when we're talking now we're talking like the 80s right yeah being, so being we're a young in 73 so um, I remember like 1980, 
so 7980, things just went from bad to worse because of, um, well, politics. Yeah, politics. And somehow Jamaica is, is situated um, at a very, very strategic point in the in the Caribbean. So between like Colombia and America, there's a nice little drop-off point in Jamaica where the drug runners like to go through, right? So we don't have a problem in Jamaica with drugs. Like we don't have junkies, you know? We, we don't have, like if, if somebody sees you like your cokehead, <clears throat> you get your ass kicked every day. So it's not a thing that you see a lot of, like a lot of crackheads. But that was when the crack epidemic was in America, and it kind of fed into Jamaica with the guns and all of that. So um, the guys who got guns in Jamaica, who are you going to rob? If you're downtown, like where the poor people are, um, you only have poor people to rob, which is not very profitable. You know, A bullet costs more than what you're going to get from the guy you rob, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. so it makes no sense. So if you go uptown, they're just going to kill you because the police protect the rich. Mm. And and, yeah. how, and did you, as a youngster, then was it easy to get? Would it been easy for you to get involved in gangs and things like that? Was that the sort of was that the sort of criminality that was going on at the time? Could you relate that to like UK estates now? Is that some? No, no. As a young man at that stage in life, um, it was older men that were criminals. Right. And as a youngster, you try and get into that. I'm not saying you won't get into it if you're hard enough or stubborn enough, but um, you pretty much get schooled by the older guys saying, no, no, you go to school, you do the right thing. Uh, you know, so there was kind of a code back then. But as we went through the 80s and going to the 90s, um, the age, you know, the guys who used to, um, you know, come to crimes, uh, who had the guns, they got older, that's sorry, younger. They got from my age to teenagers. And as I got, like in the 90s, it was just young men killing everybody. Mm -hmm. right? So because of that, these um, young men kind of took over. Because of that, we, uh, yeah, at that point, it was dangerous for someone like myself. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we had to sort of um, make very smart decisions. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, one night could change your life, basically. I know a few friends who, um, like, I can see them like now. We're talking right now, yeah? You're my friends. And then tomorrow, I see you, you're a different person. You know what I mean? Completely different. Uh, just your manner, your, your ways just completely different. And, you know, that just, that means they went out and killed somebody. Right. It completely changes you. And then all of a sudden you're dealing with what we call a husk. Not a real person, it's just a body walking around. And it's only a matter of time he's dead. Right. So like most of my school friends, yeah, most of them are dead. From right. Wow. Getting shot or, you know, or motor vehicle accident. So. And, and that's something I think um, that's that's pretty sobering because I think from a UK perspective, that is just not really, even if you grow up in the worst parts of London and Birmingham and Manchester, you still wouldn't say most of your friends are dead. Uh, you know, a lot of your friends could be in jail. Yeah. Okay. But 
it, Jamaica is well known for its its murder rate, isn't it? It's uh, yep, it's, yep. it's got a very high murder rate, and so um, almost like um, every year they're trying to top each other, you know. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's it's yeah. So there is a trend though that I see, you know, like your knife crime that's happening here. Mm. That was like late eighties in Jamaica. Right. So exactly the same thing happening now used to happen in the late 80s in Jamaica, and then it became gone. Right. For the kids, that is. Yeah. So that's something you definitely want to pay attention to, because a lot of things I see happen in Jamaica is just a bit slower in getting here. Right. All but right? it is coming. Good things are switched. So the yeah. good things that happen here are a bit slower in getting to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but we are transferring the cultures. Mm-hmm. We're exchanging. So what was the what was the I, I guess there must have been a key moment that made you think I'm going to go here and why the UK did you have family here was it was it a, an easy choice to make because I know a lot of people go from the Caribbean to the US don't they as well yeah I have people I have family here and I have family in America family in Canada the only three places places that Jamaicans really say they want to go to you know what I mean. Um, but I just never wanted to go to America because of the guns. Right. That was the main thing. And then Canada sounded way too cold. <laughs> uh-huh. So I was like, hell no. Middle ground. Uh, so we have, a, we have a thing. So we don't want no visa to go in yeah. no freezer. <laughs> <laughs> and you came to the UK, mate. <laughs> it's not that bad, man. I, I've worked here for how many years now? I've worked outside it. It's cold, but you get over it, you know. So there was what was there a, a key moment that you recognised that you were going to leave Jamaica? And was that a sad, was it a sad thing leaving? I, I guess I mean it was that sad when I got here. Oh yeah, because I had a different image of the UK, you know. What did you yeah. What did you have in your mind? What did you think? Did you think? I mean, no, I'm I, not. Be, this is me not being disrespectful, but on the outside, like if you go to the US, they they do think bowler hats, yeah, and they <laughs> do, don't they? They think bowler hats. Not they bad. think red telephone boxes, and they think Big Ben. And when you, you come to, Hulsden, you know, I know Halston, mate. You know, when you come to Halston, yeah. <laughs> It's not that. I know hats there, bro. It's like that's oh, Wimborne High Street. Just driving. <laughs> so it's like a little daily trip to Wimborne. What What was your mental image of the UK? No, my I I didn't know what to look for. I didn't know what visually was going to hit me. But what I thought was going to happen was, uh, because everybody said, you know, like like all my friends, I would say, look, can you help me out getting a visa to come to the UK? Or you know, we didn't need visa. We only needed an invitation letter because Jamaica is still part of the Commonwealth. But yes, since yeah. the Tories went in, they changed that. Yeah. <laughs> still a part of the Commonwealth, but we're no longer. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <brilliant. laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, what I heard from everybody was, it's really hard in England. It's really hard in England. I'm like, I'm used to hard. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was expecting you come here, and you're going to get stuck in a factory and you have to work and prove yourself. And I thought it was that hard. But when I come here, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't like hard work is nothing to me or any other Jamaican. We, we are used to hard work. Yeah. Mm. We used to work in from daylight till night, mm. not, not from nine to five, you know, 
yeah. a little late. And um, so coming here, I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to face, just a harder pace. But then I realized it was a much easier pace, but it was just hard dealing with people, you know, just, just okay. having relationships with people because a lot of people look down on you. Like, you know, you're a Jamaican and there's a stereotype that goes with that. And you have to constantly, every every single day, try and prove that stereotype wrong. Mm. Like for, for the first six months, part of the stereotype was true for me. I carried a knife in my waist. First six months here. Right. I'm not taking no chances. If you rush me, I'm going to stab you. Mm. You know, because, you know, you got to be a bit like street smart. I thought it was like that here. It wasn't like that. People did this. A lot of talking, not a lot of action. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. stab anybody, so I could leave the knife at home. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you know, if somebody try and talk to you, like the way people talk here to each other, like disrespect, mm. somebody talks to you like that back home, it's almost like you have to deal with it. Because if you don't, then the next thing, it won't be, it won't be talking, it'll be slapping, you know, a little bump, yeah. a little nudge, and then it slowly progresses to getting kicked up, up the ass, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Talk so yeah, you have to yeah, talk <laughs> you. simple as that. And then your respect is there. Yeah. Nobody messes with you after that. So you so you 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 came over to the UK. Um, what was the, what was the first job you picked up? What were you doing straight away? Cleaning. Right. Like and you other, told me a story yeah. once about a. Did you? Was it you? Tell me the story about the most dangerous cleaner. Someone you someone you saw from back home. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I should be talking about him on this, but uh, <laughs> 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 there's, 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 there's some people, dangerous people out there. Listen, all you need to know out there for those listening is be respectful to your cleaners because in another life they've done some bad stuff. So uh, these guys, uh, I can't call his name. <laughs> I think he's still alive, so I can't. I won't call his name. But he's back home now. Right. But when he was there. Before, when I was there growing up, this was the guy that if you want to commit crime, if you want to go do something, we said Masha works, you go to this guy and get a gun. And you go do what you got to do, and you bring the gun back and some of your money. So this was the guy that killed somebody pretty much every day. Killing every day. And then they come here and I see this guy cleaning. I'm like... Bloody hell. <laughs> 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 like, you don't know. Some of the people walk out talking shit to this guy. I'm like, you don't even You missed know. a bit, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you missed a bit. Clean it better next time, mate. <laughs> this guy could happily look at your insides. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's it. That's the what, the oh. person, person we were speaking about off air. Imagine if he met him. The only reason why a lot of these guys don't count with stuff here is like the cameras. Yeah. That's yeah. the only reason. Because uh, there's no cameras back home. If there's a camera, they shoot it out every night. <laughs> yeah. But so they, so cleaning, cleaning was, your, was your first. And what, what took you into martial arts? What, what made that? You'd already boxed, hadn't you, in Jamaica? Yeah. You'd, Done, yeah. done quite a lot of boxing. Boxing's quite big out in Jamaica, isn't it? It's a, it's a... It was. It was. It, like, I went back the other day, and there's not any... Like, when I was growing up, boxing, there's two main gyms. Mm. They're 
like all over the island, but two main gyms. One is Dragon Stout and one is Guinness. Guinness and Dragon Stout competitors. Like here you have Guinness. I don't know if you have Dragon Stout, but it's exactly the same thing. Right. Yeah. So the, so the, so you you started off boxing, and then what what led you down that path again? What what in fact actually what stopped you going back into boxing in the UK, or did you? To start with, I, I I went to a gym um, to start training just before coming into MMA, um, but it's not the same, man. It's 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 a bunch of poses, you know what I mean? It's not fighting. It's like you go out there for a beating, like the guys who are really good and everybody else. Mm. So those guys who are really good, they just want practice, mm. and everybody else is there for fitness. Now, the one thing I learned about boxing from when I was a kid is um, you can't do it half, you know. Like, I, I thought you could do MMA you know, part-time and, and it'd be okay because it's fighting, you know what I mean? But I can fight. Um, I can find a way to win. Um, boxing, I didn't think that about. I thought boxing, you have to be so disciplined because there's so many rules. You can't use your legs. You can't use just, you know every part of your body you have to just use your hands so your hands have to be that much better than the next guy's hands and then you gotta be you know you guys be smarter with um setting traps right but the level of the guys when you start out and there's no like slowly getting your level up to theirs it's like that level and that level and they're gonna beat the shit out of you mm-hmm. so by the time you get near their level you're already brain dead so uh, for me that wasn't worth it so I left it but that was um, kind of opportunistic I I could do that training after work and don't have to put too much time into it I just needed to train right then um, I had to sort out my legal status here because I had to go back home get married back home come back here to become a citizen because I didn't think I was going to be here this long. I thought I was going to come here, make some money in six months, go back home, buy a lorry, and right. drive. Okay. I didn't want to stay in the bloody freezer. How <laughs> 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 do you go back home? But you know, you come here, you get, you get, you get a life here. You know? Yeah. And and you find that everybody back home is moving out as well. Mm, mm. There's nobody left in my neighborhood that was there when I was growing up. So, I mean, at the time, they're all like away or dead. So it's a new generation like coming up and you're thinking, oh, shit. Yeah, it's rough yeah. to live in these neighborhoods, right? So you do have to have some kind of standing. Mm. You don't move into the in the ghetto like brand new. You mm. have to sort of come up in the ghetto. Yeah, yeah. Move yeah. In the ghetto brand new. Nobody knows your loyalties. You yeah, could be yeah. feds as far as they're concerned. So, you know what I mean? So, so what led you to martial art? What led you to MMA? What, what, yeah. UFC 1. Right. I saw that when I was in Jamaica. Um, and this was actually the night, I, I think is the night of the first UFC. Mm. Because I don't think they used to like do a lot of replays back then. Not in Jamaica anyway. In Jamaica, we... Sorry. I think, can I hold that? I gotta go and get, get this thing. Yeah, go, mate. Hey! 
Do you want to feel so energetic? Try Power Thirst! Energy drinks for people who need gratuitous amounts of energy! With all new flavors like chocolate! Chocolate energy! It's like adding chocolate to an electrical store! Sound the alarm! You're gonna be uncomfortably energetic! What's that? You want strawberry? Well, how about RAWBERRY! Made with lightning! Real lightning! Sports! You'll be good at them! It's an energy drink for men! Energy! These aren't your dad's puns! These are energy puns! TURBO PUNS! Science! Energy! Science! Energy! Electrolytes! Turbo lights! Power lights! More lights than your body has room for! You'll be so fast, Mother Nature will be like, slow down! And you'll be like, fuck you! And kick her in the face with your energy, energy legs! You'll have so much energy, energy! Uh, just running all, all the, the time. time! Power running, power lifting, power sleeping, power dating, power eating, power laughing, power spawning babies! You'll have so many babies! 400 babies! Give chocolate to your babies and they'll be good at sports! Make your babies run abnormally fast! They'll run as fast as canyons! People will watch them running and think they're canyons! They'll race as fast as canyons against actual canyons and it'll be a tie and they'll get deported back to Kenya! Hey, go with the sure thing! Don't gamble on your energy! Snake eyes! Try Power Thirst, the energy drink that will make you uh, sword. Uh, he's back. He's back. Uh, yes. Back. Sorry. We'll edit that out. So three, two, one, and <laughs> keep it in, mate. <laughs> keep it all in. Bit of controversy. <laughs> oh, yeah, the meat. Have to go and get the meat. Yeah. <laughs> go and get the meat. Um, all right. Um, so yeah, what led you to martial arts? What led you to to? Um, so oh, you yeah. were saying you could, yeah, Jamaica didn't do replays. No, um, back then when I saw UFC one, what I what so imagine TV. We have one ch uh, channel, one station, Jamaica Broadcasting Corporation, right? JBC, and they had <clears throat> a schedule from like six in the morning to maybe ten at night. Ten o'clock at night, we get a color card on the screen. And it signs off. So there's nothing on TV after 10. So normally I used to let watch TV until TV start to watch me. <laughs> you know, watch it until I'm like, <laughs> gone. And um, I was up this particular night, TV signed off. And then um, whoop, UFC. You know, big arms. You know, remember the big UFC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Standing on the UFC, yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw the Just Bleed guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, Just Bleed! <laughs> pretty sure I saw that guy. But now, UFC 1 came on. I watch it. It was just me. Just me. I was the only person up at night, up that night. And um, I watched it. Blown away. It was blown away. I uh, went out the next day, talking to my friends. Nobody saw it. I was talking about the UFC. Nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. It's just me. I, you know, I heard people later on saying, yeah, we saw the UFC. But in my circles, just me. So I couldn't share it with anybody. But immediately thought, I want to do that. And as soon as he gets to Jamaica, I'm doing it. And of course, he never came to Jamaica. I came here first. And I, that was in 93. I came here in 99. I looked around. There wasn't any gyms, really, but still I had to get my life restarted, you know. Uh, when you move, like, people think it's just changing countries. It's changing cultures as well. 
Mm. I had to learn how to be a Brit. You know what I mean? Because my ways, my mannerisms, just simple thing, just the way I, I treated women, you know, or had relationships was completely different. Had to change. Because back home, a woman is different to a woman here. Trust me, it's, it's like night and day. Yeah? The woman back home, like, I have girlfriends that will, a girlfriend. That will, like, will show up and, and clean. And clean? Yeah, clean the house. Clean, right. clean my space. Right. And leave. What? <laughs> yeah. What, what Jamaican girl? <laughs> what? <laughs> nah, mate, don't be silly. Yeah. <laughs> that shit's not happening here. <laughs> <laughs> Just come around your house and clean, clean your house up. Uh, uh, it's, it's very... Mm, relationship is very, like, you know, men do what men do, women do what women do. There's no battle of the sexes. Not too much, anyway. Mm. Like here, there's a battle of the sexes. You know, mm. I can do anything you can do. I can't do anything you can do. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't respect that. Um, whereas back home, there's definite lines drawn. You do that, I do this. Yeah. And, and is that uh, still the same way now, Max? Is that still very much to, the same to, way? To, to, to the, the, I said a major extent, yeah. Right. Not 100%, because there's more women making more money than men back home. You know, I, I go to um, some of the banks there and the, just women coming out, women coming out, one guy, women, 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 one guy. Yes, there's a lot more women that are employed in like powerful jobs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, things change. But when it gets to the personal level, mm-hmm. like a man and a woman's relationship, um, it's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. And there's no resentment. It's just how it is. Yeah. You know, so it was different for me when I came here to try and figure that out. Mm. You know, so I only, only sort of spoke to Jamaican women when I came here because I thought, you know, they understood me better. Yeah. Talking to my first argument here <laughs> was with a woman. <laughs> I was at work. I was working for BNK at the time. And um, I was upstairs in the canteen just, just chilling. Because it's break time, so I'm taking my break. And this woman came upstairs, blonde, looks at me. Why are you fucking downstairs? I'm like, what the fuck you think you're talking down the way through that window? <laughs> She's like, I don't understand you. Who <laughs> like, understand me? <laughs> uh, but I'm like, I don't, I'm not used to that shit. I'm not used to people just attacking me like that, mm. verbally or physically. I'm used mm. to people being respectful, you know, and I'm respectful. I won't, I won't mess with your space, you know. That's mm. your space, it's my space. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So you had a lot, there's a, I mean, it sounds like a bit of a minefield, to be honest, coming over here, because also there is a lot of cultures in the uk yeah. isn't there so yeah. it's not like you can just amalgamate with no culture you've got to just learn how to mix yeah. with all sorts yeah, of shut different up people. for a long time and just 
pay attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you 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 knew you wanted to do MMA, so you had a look around, and w- was Mark Chen your first contact? The first, because uh, by this time, I you know I'd gone back to Jamaica and got married, came back, and we bought a house together. Um, after buying a house, you know, car, everything was just flowing, everything's going well. Um, I'm a married man now, you know what I mean? I'm just chill. I, I don't have much else to do after work. I go straight home. I'm always reading something or on the computer doing something. So I'm like, I can actually, I actually can find a time now to go and do my MMA thing without getting any shit. Because, you know, you're going to get shit from the missus if, if you're out to late at night and there's shit at home to do, you know? So I'm like, there's nothing at home to do. I took care of that. <laughs> so I'm going training. And by this time, I got big and fat anyway. So he's like, yeah, you need to. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, as soon as I got fit, yeah, why are you still doing this training thing? You know, it's like <laughs> other women are looking at you now. <laughs> Into that. Uh, but no, I, I, I decided, like, I knew when I could go into it. Because I knew when I got into it, it would be all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't like go a little like prematurely get into MMA and then I have to take a break and then go back into MMA and take, because I'm like, no, I got a plan, and in five years time I want to be at least UK champion. Mm-hmm. Took me about a year to be honest, but um, yeah, I I got in. I well, I, I looked around on the internet and I saw there's um, was it Steve Dempsey that was teaching yeah. up at the Steve Dempsey, that, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's Rainers Lane, and I live just on the road, South Arrow. So I'm like, okay, it's nearby, it's, it's convenient, you know. So I can literally just get home and run to the gym, as in get there within five minutes and, and start training, even though I just finished work half an hour ago, you know. Yeah. So it was just ideal. It was it was right on my doorstep, so I just did that. And the first day I turned up, who was it? Uh, it was Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember if John Gooden was there that day. But Ahsoka, I think John and Big Andy. Yeah. Andy. And um, and then you came down the second day. Yeah. Yeah. So I met Mark Chen, and then met you. Yeah. And and I, and I guess this leads me to really emphasising um, what was pretty much a meteoric rise in UK MMA because a lot of people, you know, who don't know MMA, uh, especially domestically, won't recognise the waves you made and the people you fought and the wins you won and the titles you achieved. Um, and and I only just covered a few, um, but uh, some pivotal moments. I mean, only from my point of view, really, was um, things like uh, your win against John Phillips, who's now obviously in the UFC, mm-hmm. um, an extraordinary close split decision loss to Tom Watson, who also spent a, a fair while in the UFC as well. Which is a is a is arguably a loss. A lot of people thought you won that fight. Mm. Um, 
Um, obviously, you'll, you'll, you, it, whoever knows MMA will know the household name Mark Weir. And, you know, and, and at the time you fought him, he was, you know, looking unbeatable. He'd beaten a who's who. He had, had at the time, had the quickest knockout in the UFC with mm-hmm. an axe kick, uh, in the UFC 38, and that stood the test of time. That was that was a long-lasting one of the fastest uh, KOs mm. and and well you not you knocked Mark out twice effectively um albeit in the same fight um but uh you you beat Mark very com- you know convincingly TKO KO win and it really was um an exciting career wasn't it it was a it was a huge career and you and there was a lot of, not saying there wasn't a lot of highs and a lows mm. but it was starting late in life and little uh, people don't realize as well that another UFC fighter you fought in your actual first fight, your first fight was a loss to Neil Grove, which is weird because a lot of people out there would suffer their first loss at MMA would call themselves done, especially against a guy that outweighed them, you know, by however many kilos Neil Grove outweighed you. 30 kilos. 30 kilos, which, I mean, not being funny, you say 30 kilos to a jiu-jitsu guy, yeah, and he's having kittens. <laughs> you, say, you say 30 kilos to, a, to someone who's doing BJJ, and they're not even getting in the arena, let alone getting on the season of stitch-ups, though, though, wasn't it? It was stitch-ups. Yeah. Like, you, you, you turn up to the, the event, and they're like, oh, you're heavyweight. Ah, oh, we, we said super heavyweight. Like, there's no oh. such division, mate. <laughs> At the time, there was no super heavyweight division. It's just um, light, um, welter, middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight. It was a, that was it at the time. And I turned up for Neil Grove's fight here. In the, you know, he's going to be about 120, and he was 135. I had been training for the fight, so I, I got down from like 115 to 105. So I'm 105, he's 135. And then... I remember that shadow. <laughs> I remember walking in and it's because I was looking at somebody else all night saying, oh, that's the guy. I'm like, he's got big, but it's all right, you know. And then as I'm going into the ring, they stopped me. They're like, no, the other guy's going in first. And then this darkness just went past me. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know who Neil Grove is, Google this guy. The guy is a giant South African man. I mean, he's like a man mountain. And he is... He's... Bigger. Yeah. Man, yeah. Oh. Is um is lean. He's like he's really good diet yeah. and everything. He's lean, and I I'm, I saw him the other day. Same venue. It's same um Circus Tavern. Mm. So I'm at one of David Dono's shows there, and um he gave me a hug, and it was literally on his tits. I'm thinking, you know, get a tit off my face. <laughs> That's how tall the guy is to be. <laughs> but you know. Um, you know coming off of a loss from your first and then having the career that you did was, was pretty spectacular, I think. And, um, do you, do you attribute that really to like growing up, you know, in what you would, you know, a tough neighborhood growing up in Jamaica, do you attribute your ability to graft in the fight game to that coming from that environment do you think that is it's, it's definitely to do with adversity you know what i mean knowing like growing up in jamaica nothing's gonna be given to you mm. yeah everything you get you're gonna have to fight for it 
and sometimes physically fight for it, not metaphorically, right? Um, so come here and there's like, all you got to do is go in a ring with a guy who's the same size as you most of the time and um, punch him until he stops moving or if he punches you until you stop moving. That's it. That's the rules. All right. That's okay. That's not that bad. You don't get to shoot me. <laughs> you can't bring a knife when they stab me. I know for the most part I'm going to live. Yeah. It's not that big a deal, man. There is a performance anxiety where, you know, you're nervous about fighting in front of your friends and your family. Um, that's the only thing they ever got me. I'm, I'm like, I don't want to disappoint you guys. Yeah. Well, as far as my own health and safety is concerned, I was never worried about that. Because yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I get more beatings in the gym than there. Yeah. And at that time, I was taking beatings in the gym because we spar hard. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I, I think it's more mindset. Like, like nowadays, I see most of these fighters, uh, you know, I've, I've trained some of them. And uh, the first time they get rocked in the gym or get, you know, get hurt in the gym, you know, you protect them as much as you can because, you know, it's a bunch of softer kids, right? But the first time they get proper hurt in the gym, like get knocked out or nearly knocked out, and you're like, I can't see me from everything. Mm. They quit. Mm. You know, because they're not used to that. They're used to being like, as soon as they start crying, mommy's giving them a hug. Mm, 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 mm. It's, a, it's a softer generation, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think you need some kind of hard talking to or some slap or something as you're growing up just to let you understand that life is tough. And most of these kids nowadays that are coming into MMA, especially coming into MMA as it is now, like when I was, when both of us was competing, it was um, old school. It was like, you got to go and do your jiu-jitsu here and you strike in here and, you know, you got to do some wrestling over there. You got to travel for stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember having to drive to Hemel. That's why I'm in Hemel now, you know. I have to drive to Hemel to go and do some training with Jeff Scarborough. Yeah. You know, just to work on different parts of your game. Now these kids can just walk into a gym that has everything. Mm -hmm. And they'll even have fans, you know what I mean? They even have mm -hmm. people like, oh, it's you. I, I remember all of us rolling on the dirty mat in in um, in uh, Rainer's Lane. All of us was getting shit water on us. Yeah. We all was on the same level. There's no superstars. Whether you're fighting or you're not fighting, mm -hmm. um, if you're just there because you want to train, mm. you still get the same respect. Now yeah. you got to be a superstar in the gym. To yeah. Walk around like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that is what I think is wrong with the sport now. Yeah. There's softer, softer people. And 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 you you saying it makes sort of minor celebrities out of out of pretty much local fighters essentially. Yeah, uh, that kills you, man. I mean, everybody, I mean, if you, like, I grew up reading the Bible. <clears throat> I'm not Christian now, but, you know, I, I still like some of the lessons. Um, the prodigal son, that, that that's a story with all these kids now. They get a little bit of fame, and it goes to their head. Mm. And they're Facebook heroes, you know, Facebook superstars, mm. talking so much shit. And I, I'll say this now, and um, this is controversial, but the... The, the Conor McGregor era mm. has definitely affected how young fighters approach the game now. Mm. They're more about social media and 
and promoting themselves than they are about learning the art. Because that's the lesson they took from it. Um, Conor McGregor actually did the work. Mm. Because he's naturally good at talking shit. That's what these kids take from it. Talk mm. shit. They don't. They forget you actually. You actually have to know how to fight. Mm. And you have to go do in. Do you think, it's, do you think it's turning into like um, you know, the the UFC and whatnot? They're, they're trying to build up these personalities of these fighters. So it's almost like WWE. You know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but can you blame them? You know, it's the more money. For them. Mm. Um, you know, you do look. That's one thing I was never really good at is is self-promotion you know i promote myself to the most is just to get the guys who are around me to buy tickets to come to my fights because you know it it puts some extra change in my pocket as well but for but i'm not really bothered i wasn't bothered about somebody in america knowing who i am but that is a mistake you know you have to promote yourself i'm just saying first thing you should do is learn the game Mm. you know mm. learn how to fight and that should always be number one and I, I've always said there's a team thing in MMA I can um, there's the promotion team and there's a fighting team and you should remember what team you're on mm. you, know, you should stay with your team so if you're a fighter you're a fighter I'm not saying you shouldn't promote I'm just saying you shouldn't sell out to the promoters mm. you should mm. always remain a fighter and support your other fellow fighters but when you have somebody who will step up and say, yeah, I'm not a fighter, I'm not on your level, you always come, I'm up here with the promoters. I get that, that's money. But now you sold, you sold out. So now you're not in my team. You understand? Mm-hmm. And I won't support that guy. Mm-hmm. I'll support the guy who's next to me and struggling with me. Mm-hmm. Not the guy who's said, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. I'm, I've risen above you. I'm now up here. I'm not with that guy. Mm-hmm. Cronk, you had a you had a question for Max about um, rituals and things like that, didn't you? Yeah, about um, sort of preparation for fights. So I'm I've only been doing jiu-jitsu and competing in jiu-jitsu for a couple of years, but I played a lot of football. Um, and I never thought I was um, superstitious, but when we spoke to Alan and he was talking about uh, competition mindset and stuff, well, it well, made me realise that. Um, I do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the man. Um, yeah, he's a good boy. Um, I do a lot of stuff that I think I do it to make myself comfortable. Like I, I always used to put my kit on in exactly the same order. It didn't make a difference uh, to how I played. I was always shit, but it, it made me feel uh, comfortable. And I do the same thing with um, with jujitsu at tournaments. I get ready in the same order put my, my gear on the same way, tie my belt three times, take it off, put it back on. Um, do you have any of that for MMA fights? Did you uh, find that I, it made a difference? Or? Yes or no? Because I was always wary about um, crutches, you know, about relying on something that I might not have the opportunity to do on the day, you know. I don't want to rely on the perfect walkout tune, even though I want it. I don't want to rely on... Um, my lucky shorts, you know, even though I want it. I just don't want to rely on stuff like that. So what I've always done for my little ritual is, and and even if I'm going to a show, 
or back then I was going to a show that I was not going to fight on, I would always think about keeping everything simple. The only thing I need to know, just in case I'm going to get a fight tonight or at my fight tonight, is that I have my groin guard, my gum shield, and my shorts, my gloves. Once I have these, I'm ready to fight. I don't want anything else. So I have these. Um, it's like I'm a slightly, my heart slightly racing just before I confirm that these are all here. So that's the only thing. I would make sure that they're there in my bag in the morning. And just before I get picked up or I get in my car, I check them again. And when I get to the venue, before I put my bag down, I'll check them again. And then when I'm putting them on, as I put them all on, it's like, oh, I get that pump. You know what I mean? I'm ready. But um, there is a kind of a backwards way of doing stuff there. You, you're human. So you're going to have emotions. And I think what a lot of people try to do is to try and control these emotions at that point. You don't control them. Let them wash over you. Get nervous. Be fearful. Uh, worry about the bad things that can happen. You, just let it happen. Yes? Just like watch it all happen. Cry if you need to cry. Do all of that stuff. You know that once you step inside the arena, once you know it's time to fight, you got to forget all that shit. You're going to get your ass whooped. So just that self-preservation will get you right on time. You'll be there. It's like for me, what all of that is doing is turning up the little gears, switching me all on. So making all those buttons switch on. So like I'm a monster now. My pain threshold goes up. You know, my energy level goes up. My heart is racing a little bit faster than normal because if it's not, if it's, if it's normal, when you get in there, you don't take it seriously enough. And like everything hurts a little bit more. You know what I mean? So I make yeah. sure that all the emotions, I experience them before the fight. And then just as I get called to walk to the ring, on that way, I'm walking through how the fight starts in my head. So I don't have time to be nervous now. I'm just like, okay. I'm going to walk out there. I'm going to get to the cage. I'm going to set myself hands on the door key, the columns, push, and I'm just going to try and still everything. Take a deep breath, step on the mat, walk to my corner, and right now, fight's on. Yeah? The guy might be steering me down, and I'm going to steer him down right back. He's not winning that. I'm not letting him win anything from the minute I step in the cage. He can win everything before that. But once I get in there... He's not winning one thing. I'm winning all the mental battles, all the psychological warfare. I'm winning all of that. So if he doesn't want to look at me, it's fine. He looks down, I look at him anyway. Um, when I walk back, I have to try and forget him now. So it's like one quick like, head down, eyes down. If I if you don't take that second, then you're still stuck in like a like you've been hypnotized. If you don't take that second to remind yourself you're going to fight now, and it's not really about him, it's about you and the inner you, you know? It's about how you sink. If you don't sink, then um, you're always trailing. He's leading, you're following. But if you take that, like, that backwards walk, I know it's jujitsu for you, but 
that minute where, or that second where um, breath is done with you, he's telling you it's time to fight. You look away from the guy, settle yourself, then look back at him, but not in his eyes. Just look at his chin and then um, go to work. And you have to trust yourself. At that point, for me, I'm the most comfortable with me. You understand? Before that, I have a lot of self-doubt. But at that point, I'm the most comfortable with me because I'm going to go in and I know at some point he's going to hit me or I'm going to hit him and the fight is started. And I don't, I don't worry at that point. Once a fight starts, you're not worried. You're just grappling or striking. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my process. Um, I don't know if that's falls in the sort of um, um, what's what's that what's that word? Where you're, you're a little bit um, superstitious. I don't think it's that. I think it's just having a process. Any process. Anything that keeps your mind occupied for the whole time you're there. Whether that's the emotions or are you um, thinking about your plan? Yeah. George, you had a question for, for Max. Yeah, so I mean, with what you were describing there, it seems like you have quite a powerful mindset. But of course, I mean, you've had uh, quite a long sort of series of fights. Um, mm. But of course, can you recall during any of the fights where you went on to win, where maybe during the fight you kind of felt like you were on the losing side? And how did, like, what's your sort of uh, mental process when the tides start changing, when maybe you start seeing yourself sort of coming back from it? Um, no, I I go in the fight not always thinking that I'm better than this guy. Most of the time, I think this guy's better than me. But I always think I'm still going to whoop his ass. You know what I mean? I know I'm always one punch away from winning. No matter how badly you see me get my ass whooped, I'm one punch away from winning because at some point I can turn it. Because what normally happens is the guy who's... I don't want to really say this, but yeah, the guy who's more willing to die is the guy who's going to go on to win. The long fight, that is. Because that guy is waiting for his opportunities, fighting, trying to get the opportunity, and he never gives up. But you cannot, none of you guys, no matter how fit you are, you cannot push for 15 minutes on just fitness. Mm. It has to be a bit more, like, you know, a bit more supernatural in it like a bit more like oh fuck you you know i'm i'm getting you at some point i know that hurt me that you know well, i'm gonna get you back it's about who wants it more essentially isn't it yeah it's about just understanding it's a you got time you know you got time the only thing you shouldn't be doing is standing back waiting for something to happen the more you're pushing the more openings you're gonna get mm-hmm. all right if it, grappling match, striking match, it doesn't matter. Like, if you stand back, they get to plan. They get to set you up. But if you pressure them, they have to deal with that. They have to deal with it. Because you go for feints or you go for an actual punch, he has to do the exact same thing. He's got to block. Because what if it's not a feint? It's actually a punch. And he didn't block. He's going to get hit. So he's got to deal with everything that you threw at him. While his mind is occupied with all of that, there are openings for you. All you have to do is practice that in the gym. I think what a lot of people do is they train completely differently to how they fight. Yeah, They fight like um, like scrappy. 
But when they train, they're like Conor McGregor, you know, it's like nice and timing. And, but but when they're fighting, it's like, ah! you know. But what you have to do, I think after your second, third fight, is watch yourself fight and then train like that. But a lot of people go and do the mirror with us pads and they don't have mirror with us skills, you know what I'm saying? When they're under pressure, they don't fight like that. They bite and they scratch and they do all of the other stuff. But when they're in training, they're looking pretty. That is always the mistake. If you think about it, how many hours do you train in a week? Whatever that is, I'm sure it's not the same amount of time you spend fighting for the year. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I will train more in one week than I fight in the year. So if you're training one way and then fighting the other, you're lying to yourself. You're never, ever going to be there. You're always going to be second best to who you could actually be. And that's what I think that's the first thing you think about. I don't think so much about the the night of the fight. The night of the fight... You're gonna to have to deal with the emotions that come with it, and it's gonna. But if you're more prepared, like if you're more in tune with who you are, fight night, then you should do really well. Because most people aren't that prepared. Most people train like I just explained. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, that's really some, interesting. Yeah, some of the guys I've had over the years, I've taught. I don't want to name any names. But they were doing really well when they were training in my gym because it's unorthodox. It's like you don't know who you're going to spar with today or tomorrow. You don't know who you're going to come up against. You're going to get a brand new guy who's just wild, slapping you. And he's going to catch you with all your pretty fancy style and all the fights you've had. You're still going to get caught. But then they don't like that. So they leave and they go to a gym where they get looked after. And then they wonder why... The 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 um they drop off you know they they're not as good or they don't look as good because they were growing up at a certain level mm-hmm. and fighting the guys on their level and they go to a nice gym where they get pretty on the pads you know pretty in training and then um uh they they get to fight a guy who's you know miles above them yeah because you know they want to get into the UFC. We all want to get into UFC, right? We all want to get to the highest we can. So there's, you should just get there when you get there. But a lot of these guys want to rush in and then eventually just ruin their career. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is interesting how um, how people probably look for something that maybe isn't there or they look at other gyms. You know, I, I guess it's probably the sin of modern MMA, isn't it? Where you've got this beautiful gym, maybe the best looking gym in the UK, mm. but that doesn't make a decent fighter, does it? No. That, that it's about the people that you train with and the attitude of the trainers mm. and the training partners. And whether or not you enjoy it. Yeah. We can all enjoy it when we're winning, you know what I mean? Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. When you're doing well in your career, and yeah. you're not getting hurt in your gym. Like, you're not getting put in any really uncomfortable positions. But that's the people, isn't it? That's not the place. Like we, like you alluded to back mm. in the day, we're training mm. in, in, in um, sewage. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think these guys know what we used to train in. You should explain. Um, it's a difficult place to explain, really. It was a chicken shop. 
with yeah. some and the bottom of some, the chicken yeah, yeah, the basement of the chicken shop. So there was a, a, a door next to the chicken shop and a set of stone stairs. Now I think they become timber actually that yeah. went down into what could it was just a basement, a tanked room um, with loads of stuff around the outside of it, um, oh, and and a load of mats. Um, but the mats sat basically where the sewage come up through the ground. That you some mats would float on the sewage. Mm. But you so now when people say, "Oh, I want to keep the mats clean because there's staff," <laughs> <laughs> I've never had staff. We, we didn't even know what staff was, <laughs> and we just used to walk. And you think, "Oh, what's all that gunge in my feet?" Oh, don't worry about it. Just kick something with it, and uh, it wouldn't really matter. But um, but the the, the and the thing that I think is a really interesting point is and it's something that i've always the 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 strength of team the the, the people you train with mm. the camaraderie mm. the is so much more important than the room you do it in yeah definitely you, you definitely. that room was the dirtiest minginest most nasty disgusting room that you could find in northwest london mm. well but, you you missed the thing you forget it was like going down the stairs there's a chicken shop on that level yeah and they had their toilet on this level That's and then we were below that yeah so and then there was a toilet on our level as well yeah so it was the one that upstairs when that flooded we got that underneath the mats and i remember stepping on them mats and see it just go squish and all some shit water just come up on top of the mess <laughs> we just had to spend half an hour cleaning that and we're right back to training. There's not one day that we went home because there's shit on the mat. No. Or shit water on the mat. Well, it was, did it stink though? The whole thing yeah, stinks. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And it was a it was a mixture of poo and chicken. <laughs> oh. So no. it was fried chicken mixed with like sewage. And you were down there, and I don't know if you've ever been in like a because it was a hot box as well in the summer, wasn't it, Max? It yeah, was like yeah. a sauna. So it was a sauna. With heated up toilet smells and them doing a roaring trade because we trained at night basically. It was it was it was at the night time when they were doing their most trade mm. and they were just frying off the chicken, pouring the fat down a toilet or whatever the hell they were doing. Blocking it, everything at the time. Blocking yeah. everything up. And it just stunk. But there were some killers in that gym. There were some killers and And the thing is, we all turned up for each other. Yeah. There was nothing that was going to keep us at home on training day. All right. We turned up because, not because any of us had any massive career, but if one of us had a fight, we are all there and we're all kicking that guy's ass because we don't want anybody else to do that fight night. Yeah. So for me, that was, that was my golden days in, in, in the marsh, in learning, you know. Yeah. That was, that was when I enjoyed it the most because I was in the most pain. <laughs> I always had something broken. I, I broke both my big toes the first few months. Uh, because of that, I stopped shooting. Like, I wouldn't drop my knee to the mat to shoot. So now I shoot halfway. <laughs> yeah. That affected how my game developed. But that's how it is. You develop your game how you develop your game, right? And you find a way. And nothing has to be textbook. It all has to be, like, sort of your book, you know? And that's and that's the thing, isn't it? I think a lot of people, you know, you look at the Mendez brothers' gyms, you look at, uh, you know, like 
Molineux or whatever, you know, SBG and these, you know, huge, great, big complexes of, you know, expensive equipment and, and, and things like that. And, and really, actually, most people know that it's the people you train with that, that matter, not, yeah. not the match you train on at the end of the day or the walls you train in between. I think it's kind of an important thing to keep reminding yourself of. Um, and I, I do recognize now how lucky I've been and how lucky I am to train where I do and have the training partners that I have, because it does make, you know, it, it makes a massive difference. Of course, man. If you're having fun, man, that's a main thing. Yeah. Uh, nobody else, uh, people walk in their gym and they can understand everything that's happening. It's like, you're not doing yourself any justice. You know what I mean? They have to walk in and think, what the hell are they doing? Mm. And you're laughing while you're doing it. Yeah. It's got to be your thing. Yeah. If you're not doing your thing, then you're doing everybody else's thing, which doesn't work. Yeah. Because if we all look the same, it's one of the ways I teach. When I teach in my guys, most of the time I take myself out of it. I will get the guy who just turned up last week. I said, okay, demonstrate this technique. You come here with them and they do the pads. You know, one hold the pads. And I tell them what to do, they do it. So everybody understands. It really doesn't matter how it looks, as long as it's effective. Mm-hmm. You know, your your cross might be coming around here and it lands. As long as it lands, I'm I'm happy. You mm-hmm. know, as long as it lands. And the same thing with the grappling. We don't all look effective, but some of us, some of the most awkward people you see out there, are very very effective. They catch you with some mm-hmm. silly shit, and you're like, how do you catch me with that? You know, <laughs> you make that shit up. Yeah, man. Really, you know what I mean? Some of the stuff I've made up over the years, I've had to forget. Like, the minute I went to jiu-jitsu my first time, I had to forget some of them. You know, because yeah. I went, you know, who I went to train with. And um, he was like, this is how it is. I'm not taking anything, um, like, any self-expression. It's just my way or the highway. Well, okay, boss. Did that. And then the minute we had a, an, a, an argument, not an argument so much as, like, I wanted to have people at my gym, you know, teach. And I asked him, like, being my coach, can you come teach jiu-jitsu at my gym? Happy to let you have all the money for that. Only one thing I need is if you could just teach my fighters and just let them, you know, let me collect that money. So they would do MMA and Muay Thai and BJJ mm-hmm. and only pay for, like, MMA. Mm-hmm. You know, fighters deserve or need some some help because fighters are broke. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "No, I'm not working for free." I'm like, <laughs> "That's when yeah. I that's when I said, Cornell, can you just teach a class for me? No politics. Don't call anybody's name. This is not um, uh, like Roger Gracie or Carson Gracie or Icon or anybody. It's just this is just MMA extra." Mm-hmm. And he taught one class, and then I went to training. My son was just born. I took him to training with me down at the club I was going. And everybody blanked me. (laughs) Literally, I'm introducing my son first time to them. And they're walking past me like I'm the devil. I'm thinking, shit, what did I do? I I literally didn't know what I did. It's like, yeah, we heard that you, this is later when I heard this. Like after like a year or so, somebody said, yeah, why did you get some Roger Gacy guy to teach your class? I'm like, what? Is that what this is about? Fuck all of you. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. About 200 people stopped talking to me at once. 
Yeah, politics is oh, it will always be the devil of martial arts, mate. I've had that, bro. I've had that. Yeah. I I, I never understood it, but then you know you get to learn. This is how it is, and um, you know it's not my thing. I just learn a bit of it. As if it's not, I didn't create it. I just want to learn. I want to get Deniston his idea on the COVID situation. Has anybody got any other MMA related questions before we move on to anything yeah. else? My, my one's sort of half and half, so it might I might steal your thunder, Dave. I do apologise. Go on, mate. Hi, Max. I ain't seen you yeah. for years, mate. You all right? Yeah, well, I'm good, man. How are you? I was young. I was younger and handsomer. Say again? <laughs> so I was younger and handsomer, mate. If you can <laughs> believe it. Last time we got. I'm fitter, yeah. <laughs> with um, with all this COVID drama, then how's it affected your gym? And not only your gym, your local community. Uh, massively, man. Um, there's a lot of panic. Uh, listen, it is real. You know, people are actually dying. I don't know. Everything that we say here, I don't know. So I put a disclaimer out there. This is my opinion. Yeah, I am not. I've not studied this. I, I have no technical information that that can be considered like um you know authoritative so so just take it as as i said but i don't think it's necessarily <clears throat> what they're saying it is you know i don't know if we need to all yeah yeah we probably need to do some self-isolation but i don't know if we're self isolating the right people i think you isolate the more vulnerable people yeah that would make more sense um and test everybody. You know, I know it's going to cost a bit of change, but test everybody because that's that's what we pay our taxes, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's affected my business in the sense that you know you can teach to a certain extent on 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 online, but there's some nuances that you have to be there. You have to you have to feel that you can't you can't you can't see it over the over the internet is just you have to feel somebody's movement as a personal trainer you can do a lot of stuff as a martial arts trainer you can't do so much um there's some things i can demonstrate online and people can get a workout but that's what they're getting for the moment just a workout and if we if we think about it most people who come to the martial arts gym don't just come for the workout they come for the well, the vibe, the thing we were just Social. talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah the thing yeah. we are just talking about. And this kind of spoils it. Well, Do I mean, you think it's going to change people going forward as well, Max? So, like, when this is all lifted and people can come that, back? Yeah, people, I think when they open the gates, people are going to rush back. Mm. But whether that, the num- that pushes the numbers back up or whatever, I don't know. I just don't think that we're going to go back to how it was completely before this. Yeah, I think this is like you don't lock down the whole world and then just release them. You know what I mean? I, I think you lock them down and then now while you have that control, it's kind of addictive for the people yeah. who need that control, right? So now I yeah, think I, this is our new normal. Yeah. Well, so, not not any conspiracy theories or anything. So if you like conspiracy theories, feel free to drop in. But like um, today, the like the price of oil is negative. 
So that's all going on in the background. So there's loads of economic stuff going on separate to this, mm. which is like, you think, hang on, they're locking us all down. It is a disease. There is a virus, but there's all these other economic stuff that's been building for like the last six months, which is all coming to fruition now. Mm. It's just strange times, really strange times. I just think um, no, none of this crisis that's happened in our lifetimes anyway has ever been paid for by the wealthy or the powerful. It's yeah. always been paid for by us. Yeah, so I think yeah. when we go back out there, we're going to pay for this shit. Yeah, well. Yeah, so petrol prices going down to, like you said, negative. Buy up a bunch of petrol and put it down. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's going to yeah. double when, they, when we go You're back. You're right. It but will. the thing is, it's okay to lose a few billion now and then you get that back every year for the next 20, 30 years. Like, like double that. So, you know, it's like, and I'm going to go into Grenfell. Um, it's like burning down Grenfell. I still think that's a bit dodgy. But it's like um, that space where that building is, that land is worth way more than they were getting for it because it's like council and whatever, all right? But now if you burn it down and then lock it down for the next 10 years and then build something up back 10 years from now yeah. and charge the money that you can get then, it's still better business long-term. You know, you're going to make so much more money long-term. And people are going to forget because we all have very short memories. Because when was the last time anybody talked about Grenfell? Like when I was driving a taxi, I was driving past there every bloody night and seeing that building with the tarpaulin on it with a green heart. So, you know what I mean? And I'm like, hundreds of people possibly died in that thing. They said it's 80 odd people, but I know like whole families are saying like, in one room, there wouldn't just be the two people who are registered. It would be like 10, you know? So stuff like that happens and we move on. That's the problem. So this happens. As soon as it's done and they've changed the rules to how we um, socialize, we're just going to move on. We're just going to adapt because now anything is better than being locked up inside. So if it means, okay, you're going to only be locked up for for the nighttime now, that means when you finish working, you go home and stay inside. Then it's going to be, okay, that's better than being locked up for 24 hours. You know what I'm saying? It's like being in prison. Anything outside is good, man. Mm. It's merciful, isn't it? It's that it's that being it's the idea that governments are merciful, that they allow you to have something small, a little tidbit. So if you if you clamp down and create restrictions, then minor little treats. It's like we were talking about it the other day and not in the same way, because I think. We, Adam and I were talking about it in the military sense and the building of a soldier is different the breaking down of a person and building them up mm-hmm. um, is, is, is kind of a different thing but in, in a similar way mm-hmm. when you take everything away from someone and then you only allow them to have small amounts, that's perceived to be um, merciful, that's perceived yeah. to be showing um you know, uh, kindness, but actually the restrictions you've put on that individual are so extreme that actually that, that that's not freedom. That's 
a that's the only form of freedom you've allowed them to to well, have. I mean, we're human beings, are that's how we operate, man. There's, if we get stuff forced on us, like you know, you got to do this now. This is your role. I mean, we don't want to die, so we're like, okay, I'll go along with what you say because I know you can kill me. Um, but anything you give me after that, I feel like it's a gift, you know, because this is much better than what I was getting yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think they have something called like Stockholm syndrome that form the bond formed between like um like rapists and the, uh, you know somebody who's kidnapped somebody else and they're raping them every day and there's a bond there after a while because today they didn't rape you so bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now she's like, oh, love this guy. There's a little yeah. bit of affection there. I mean, that's how we are all like. Look, that's just psychology. Right now. We're, we're pissed off, we're inside. Give it a couple more months if we haven't killed ourselves. Um, they say, look, we're going to let you out for a few hours a day just to go to work to feed that machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. I don't need anything else but work. You know what I mean? Yeah. That jujitsu thing where you're touching people, don't do that again. Uh, really? <laughs> oh, look at Adam! Look at Adam's face. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll be back. I reckon. I reckon. Um, it'd be tight controls, like you said. Ah, look, um, martial arts. I've always said martial artists were the the guys that used to, you know, protect the village back in the day. Yeah. You know, these are the guys that used to go training. All this training. Why are you always training? So when the next village come to rape us, we can defend us. But these are the guys who give trouble in society, because yeah. we're outspoken. We we prepared we conspiracy theories, as we call it. Uh, we don't believe in like the man has our best interest at heart. You know, unless you like have that job where you don't do martial arts at all, and you you just go to work and back home, and you have a decent job. Family's okay. And you start you, you start saying stuff like, oh, just do what the government says. They're right. They 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 wouldn't do this to her. I'm like, why would they why wouldn't they do it? They get to control you if they do it. You're finding that a lot of people are they're getting into that that mindset where they, they're seeing their neighbour leave during the day and then they're reporting them for leaving. Yeah. You know, it's dark. That is, it's getting That's dark. worrying. That is yeah. worrying. But that yeah. is a strategy of self-policing. That that is a strategy yeah. of self-policing. Yeah. That, that, yeah. They create an environment where everybody, um, basically, rules over each other with shame, and then you get this sort of contained environment of humans. That 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 is that is a that is a, you know. I, I do wonder whether one of the first things they do with these is get social scientists involved to see how people will behave under certain circumstances. And, um, well, and why it, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean... It's, it's in their interest to, to know what my next move is. Hmm. And if you have the resources to know what my next move is, aren't you going to, you know, take advantage of that? Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're the government, cause we all know the government's corrupt. Everybody here knows that, right? Yeah. Um, the government is supposed to be working for us. But the way they do things, it's like we're working for them. Yeah. We don't get a say. We think we get a say, we don't get a say. And 
some of us see that, some of us don't. Some of us think the government is actually like, you know, it's like the queen, you know, like it's, it's a sovereignty thing. And they are better people than we are. They know more than we do. They don't. They just know how to say stuff. You know, the one thing, like, if uh, if if we hit the apocalypse right now, I'd rather hang with you guys. Because I know you'd help me able to light a fire, you know, build a house, do stuff like that that will help us. What's a politician going to do for me? Mm. Except trying to tell me that he's in charge. He doesn't have any other skills. What he will say is, I'm very clear on how we're going to make the house and we're going to ramp up our <laughs> gathering of the wood. <laughs> There's a big ramping up on gathering of wood and I'm going to make it very clear how I'm going to build the house. And then we're going have to you built it yet? Have you, have you built it yet? It. No, but I'm very clear on how I'm going to build yeah. it. Have you got the wood yet? Have you got the wood? No. Where's my bit of the wood? I'm, the ramping, it. I'm ramping up the gathering of the wood. We're ramping it up. <laughs> but you build my house first. <laughs> yeah, you build my you build my house. It must then, be this much bigger than yours. And I probably need mm. a second house. Uh, when you have be closer to work. I don't know. When you have stuff like somebody saying, calling another person Lord or Highness or you know Sir without earning it. You know what I mean? I can understand you calling some war vet Sir. This dude bled for you. Watched his friends die for you. I can get, I can dig that, you know. But somebody who's only sat on their ass for their whole life, gonna say to me that I should bow to them. Bow to you? Why? If I bow to you, I have the right to rip your neck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> punch you in the face. <laughs> and you have the same right to do that to me. That's a sign of respect. But I'm not gonna bow to you if I can't do none of that shit afterwards. It, it, it is a, it is a. F- I think it is this uh, weird class system that has gone all out of control, isn't it? And it's now, um, I don't know whether this is, I thought this was going to be a massive equaliser, this. Uh, nah, it's gone even worse, isn't it, it? It's gone worse. It's made the elite become more elite and it's made the, 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 the poorer get poorer. In fact, it's put more in the poor pile. It's made more the poor suck up to the rich. Yeah. Like you say, call the police on your friend because you went outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, your neighbor, you know, that that's like proper crabs in a barrel. Yeah. It is um it is a very very unique environment. What what just I just want to get your opinion on this, Max. So I know we touched on it earlier in another call, but I just want to uh, and freedom of speech is a real um what's that? <laughs> yeah and i mean I think, I think that's where we're going with this so just yeah, to give no some background no, uh, no. So, social media outlets have started to take down what they uh, deem is fake news yeah. the, the the flaw in this plan is that some of that fake news has become real news <laughs> later on down the line mm. what is your what is your opinion on perceive freedom of speech and do you think that there is anything is it is there anything such as free speech are we, are not, we anymore. Just... not anymore man um there's no free speech i mean you know when i was a kid i remember them saying i don't know how true this like you know you remember how things how you want to remember them don't you but i do remember something like the media was supposed to be unbiased 
right? They're supposed to present who, what, when, where, why. Factual. That's, supposed, that's what they're supposed to present. Now, you go and buy all the newspaper you can get, all of them. And if they have one common story, read the same story in all of them, and you see it's a different story in every one of them. So that's not giving me who, what, when, where, why, how. It's giving me an opinion. So that's not news anymore. That's, uh, you know, that's a that's an effort, a, a, a concerted effort to mislead me. You understand? No, if you're misleading me on that level, that massive level, then of course you don't want me to say certain things. You don't want to hear my opinion, really. You want to give it to me. So I don't think there is a freedom of speech thing like WhatsApp. WhatsApp, they luckily they they uh, the guys that before before they had to hand over WhatsApp 100% to Facebook, they encrypted it so that you know people couldn't really. I I think they can't really get into your messages too much, but they know what you're sharing, you know, because it just needs to get to the wrong person and they like they work for WhatsApp or whatever for Facebook, and then all of a sudden that message is limited to how many people can send it to. Even if it's not like fake news, it's, it's probably just porn, which we all send. <laughs> but by the time it gets to me now, it's like I can only send it to one person <laughs> at a time. Oh, I take the time to send it. <laughs> <laughs> what's, ba- what's porn? Oh, yeah. yeah what is that? <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't think, no, I don't think there's freedom of speech. I think the China. Look, look, 1984 is real now, man. Remember that book? Like, they're trying to get to them times quick. It's like, um, not just the people up top, you know, we are policing each other with what we say. I can't say this, I can't say that. I can say what the fuck I want to say. You know what I mean? And you, you either like it or you don't like it. You either click on friend, or click on unfriend, right? Like, I have an opinion on, um, well, it's not popular, but it's my opinion, but I have an opinion on whether or not a man should be able to transition and then fight a woman. I think, no, hell no, you shouldn't. Don't tell me that you are going to benefit from being a man. Having, you know, let, let's say you are physically active all the time. You're always in shape. And you spend so much time building up your muscle and your bones. And then all of a sudden you want to change to a woman. That's fine. Go do that. But you can't compete with women because you're still a dude. You know what I mean? You're still you're still benefiting from all those years of being a guy. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you do to yourself, cut it off. <laughs> How you do that, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you do that. It's fine. I will always call you what you want me to call you. You say call me Miss. Now I call you Miss. But I'm not gonna watch you compete with a girl and support that. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't. I, I don't think that's right. And I think like me saying that, just me saying that, is my right. I should be able to say it without you trying to kill me afterwards. But watch how many people are gonna fucking try to cut my throat after this. That's why I learned to fight. So I can beat that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk, I fight. 
I, I guess it's one of those ones, isn't it, where it becomes it becomes a very blurred line between being offensive and offending people and speaking your mind, doesn't it? Um, and I guess I don't I don't know where I sit on that really. I don't. I, well, I, I remember Jordan Peterson. I, I watched some of his stuff before the band. Um, said some stuff. He said, um, if you're going to have a conversation with a bunch of people, you're bound to offend someone. That's pretty much what he said. You know, you can't speak up like on something like social media and not offend anybody. Of course. How do you, how can you be honest if you're not going to offend people? How can you be honest? Like, if I'm going to speak in public and somebody's going to get offended, Am I supposed to um, tailor what I'm going to say so I don't offend anybody? You know what that's called? It's called lying. Yeah. I think that is the modern connotation, though, isn't it? That yeah. you, you have to manage, manoeuvre through life, offending as few people as physically possible, which is, yeah, is living it's a lot. Moderate itself. It's moderate itself. Yeah. 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 No, I'm just trying to offend everyone the same. I say, first of all, Grow the fuck up. Secondly, is don't go through life trying to offend people. It's just, I've never been that guy. I've never been a guy who's trying to offend anybody. But sometimes you offend me. Well, you think that's okay? You know what I mean? So the person who's telling me I can't say what I want to say, you're messing with my freedom of speech. I find offensive. You telling Mm. me I cannot say this, even though I'm saying it, just to be honest, not to offend you. Interestingly, at the moment, especially with this current situation at at the moment, you take the media, for example, even politicians, they offend people on regular occasion Mm. by peddling untruths and things like that. But it is completely spun away from... You know, it, it's almost accepted because it is it is enshrouded in, in a language that is, you know, it's all like it's like hyper normalization. It's like we get it done to us so much from above that we accept it. But if we do it to each other as peers mm. and we speak about different subject matters, mm. it's uh, is unacceptable. Which is is it, a bizarre. It's, it's, it's weird. A, it's weird. I I think what happened is um, the right and. I never used to think about left or right before this last five to ten years. I've only been political since um, just prior to Trump. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Brexit Accents. and all of that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, politics is just politics. It's always been the same. It's always going to be the same. All right? But um, uh, what was my point again? Being politicised. You've only been politicised recently. Yeah. So, so I don't know how to put this. Um, I think now the right has won in the sense that they don't want to, like the right has always been like, oh, we don't want to actually say this and our strategy is this. Okay, if we're racist, um, all we have to do is deny, deny, deny. If we do something racist and you say, you're racist. Then I said, no, how is that racist? I'm not racist. I just love my country. You know what I mean? 
And I was like, okay, fine. They say this, and then the mouthpieces below that say it as well. But the mouthpieces are normally left. And they've won to the point where now the left is more, more like the Nazi than the right. Yeah. yeah the, the left is who's telling you you can't say certain things. Yeah. Yes. I you see where me? you're coming from. Yeah. Now the left's policing speech. Before it was the right telling you definitely you can't say that. You can't say that. Um, and this is the norm. Now the left is like, no, no, no. You can't say that. <laughs> can't say that. So well, that is where they've won. They've managed to get. Sorry, get, mate. Sorry. I'll ca- carry on. Sorry. No, no. I, I was finish my point anyway but yeah that, that that's how they've made that's how they've won they've convinced yeah. the left to take the fight carry the fight on it's, it's, um, there's, there's too many extremes it's, there's no not enough middle ground is there yeah With, but, you know the left left right paradigm it's it's just it's in a real mess mm. i think it's because the goalposts have shift too far in another direction where people like for example i used to consider myself sort of left-leaning whereas now i'm more centralized yeah and it's like such a strange paradigm because you think, you know, I'm sort of a libertarian. I think, you know, mm. people should be able to do and say what they want to mm. uh, as long as it doesn't have any major impact on me. Mm. But I feel like it's shifted so far that I start seeing myself more centre right than anything just to kind of counterbalance how far it's actually gone in the other direction. Yeah, because now it's troubling when you find yourself listening to some people who you consider to be really offensive and really like you know really far right you starting to listen to them and think good point <laughs> <laughs> you know like fuck what happened to me <laughs> you know somewhere along the line i got stitched up man I, I don't know who the hell i am now so now i've decided to jump out of the boat i'm not left or right I'm yeah. just, you know yeah I think that is a good. That is a, a a really good way of looking at it because I think if you categorise yourself in a way, you almost feel like you know you're being pigeonholed into yeah. believing everything that yes. it comes along with that, and actually that's not that's not mm. true, isn't it? it it's uh, so yeah. So you're right. You know. So don't, do you think that gay should die? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah. that now. It's like it's like um. If I believe anything yeah, wrong, no. then then I'm anti-gear now. Anti, I'm black. I'm anti-black though. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It makes yeah. no bloody sense. Yeah. But, it's gone too far, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't understand all the um like pro. They, I can't even think of the name. The certain words to call certain people, and you've got to. Yeah, I. It's I've language. Got no man. clue. Listen, like Canada has made it a law. That is what. It's crazy. It, this is what made Jordan Peterson famous. Because yeah. he protested against the law. He said, nobody should ever um, politicize speech. Like, you know, you can't, yeah. you can't put a law on speech. So you, can't, you have to say this. Yeah. I have to call you miss when you're a mister. I will do it out of courtesy because you asked me to. Yeah. I don't care what your preference is. As long as you're not smashing me, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and then from there, just the way they snowballed that into Jordan Peterson being some right-wing extremist, racist, Nazi. Yeah. Nazi. I listen to some of this guy's speech and he makes so much bloody sense. Just talking to the young men, mainly young men it, it resonates with, just grow the fuck up. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and, yeah. and you'd think that that's something we'd want. 
but somehow that's something we have rebelled against. We don't want to see men grow up and take responsibility. I think we definitely need some of that. But I think it's just something that when we've got so soft that the worst thing that can happen to us is we get offended about someone trying to take help men take responsibility for their lives. Yeah. You know, we just that's the worst thing that can happen to the majority of millennials particularly and I'm one of them on a day-to-day basis is that you read something that offends you or you see something or hear something that offends you I, yeah. I work in construction and half the stuff I read on the internet and you know Dog works in university so he probably counts us more when I've spoken to young students now and they come out with stuff I think Jesus Christ when you come to the real world you are fucked because it doesn't work like that that is yeah. people try and be respectful yeah. to each other listen man there's there's this thing we're doing now where we're online yeah completely different world yeah yeah completely different yeah. world and then there's a world that we live in where we yeah. all grapple or we choke each yeah. other and uh, yeah, yeah. bar each other and that's the real world um i don't think a lot of these youngsters have enough of the real world experiences yeah so i uh, and and the thing is um, when when people grow up online and that's all their references are, they can be rude if they want it, they can be sneaky, they can yeah. um they never got slapped in the face for, for this in the wrong person. Um there's a lot lost. Yeah. There's a lot of reality that's been lost. I'm not saying you should get hurt just because you have an opinion. I'm just saying we should all respect each other. Yeah. You understand? With like you said before, it's yeah. space, isn't it? You respect yeah. other people's space, they respect yeah. your space. Yeah, well, you should all respect each other. And mm. yes, there should be, like, the, sometimes you're standing up in front of somebody and talking to them. You don't like them. But you know what? You don't go dissing them because you know there is a line. At some point, if I cross this line, this dude's going to deck me. And that little knowledge helps you to make better decisions. It shouldn't have to be that way. We can all live, you know, pretend like it's not like that. We can just use our words, but that's not the world. The real world, you better be polite. It's a matter of consequences, isn't it? I think. Yeah. I think what what hasn't happened or doesn't happen with modern life so much is that there isn't an, as many consequences to actions. Mm. You are protected a lot more. And it's too safe. You, you mm. can you can be your your feelings are protected. There is, you know, being offensive is almost one way street. Someone could be offensive to you and air their opinion. But if you air their opinion about a particular facet of their life or what they do, that can be deemed offensive to them. They won't meet in debate with you. They will, you know, and you. Yeah, they're basically because now we're all online. And we all have like a social media score. Um, they'll just end that shit. So if you're trying to make a business online, um, and 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 you offend anybody, they could just they're gonna go straight for your business, because yeah. I don't want that guy to eat ever again. I yeah. want to suffer. Now I find that to be despicable. Understand? Mm. To attack anybody's livelihood is despicable and that is what they attack first now so like if you're a celebrity and you say something that one group of people think they shouldn't have said 
but another group is okay with it. You'll get more activity from the group that's offended than the ones that's not offended. Because they'll go after you and try and kill you, end you. These guys will go, eh, it wasn't so bad. What are you doing? And they'll be kind of uh, lazy about defending you, right? So in the end, you just disappear. And now if if you're making money online, uh, that's over, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think this, uh, I actually think this situation may, you know, should should this pandemic turn out to be as everybody's predicting it to be as bad um especially with mortality rates there there is a consequence right there from actions there, you know but we, we you know everybody's already noticed it all those people that were going out for that one night drink in the pub and whatnot may have paid for it gravely in the consequence of catching a virus that that yeah that has you know a very negative effect on your body Mm. all because you did what you wanted to do Mm. um that in itself has a consequence Um, pushed yeah because now you've done that you've been naughty now we can get punished by you know dad yeah but that that's the other thing it's the it's not the it's not the uh confinement that's put on you by the virus or by the illness itself it's the it's the confinement that's been put on by the authorities mm. to you know restrict your movement and and you look at other countries and they've restricted less because they've tested more and mm. that's you know, I, I guess that might be a debate for another day because I'm looking at the time and this is by far our longest podcast. This is like <laughs> well, wrap up. Um, yeah. well, I was just going to say, man, it's, uh, I think it's uh, in the West, we're very lazy because hmm. we're on top. You know what I mean? We're on top. We, we've won all the wars. We have the biggest guns. So now we're sitting down and most of the population is out of shape and not militant at all you know they're just like ah we want more rights whereas you look at someone like like russia like i was just looking at the hooligans somebody was saying to me uh about hooligans the other day a guy that used to train with me he's like they have fitter hooligans because they're all fit they're all in shape because they're all still military or militaristic you know what i mean they all still think Shit can kick off at any moment, so we're gonna stay ready. Yeah, we don't expect too much from the government. They're gonna kick our ass anyway, so we make sure we have our bunkers dug. <laughs> you know, whereas here we're like, no, they're gonna look after us because yeah. uh, we all get weak and lazy. You know, yeah. and apathetic. And eventually, we'll pay for that. Mm. Well, I think we have, because I think apathy has allowed decisions to be made without being questioned. Yeah. I think this is, we, we are a victim, I don't know, I keep saying this phrase, hypernormalization, but that is essentially what happens when you get told lies and you know you're being told lies, but you just go with it because it's easier to believe the lies than it is to look out for the truth, essentially. I mean, you, you see this last election, man, all the lies that were told in this last election, I'm like, I can see you, mate. <laughs> Fuck you saying. You're saying it. And I have a tip of you saying the opposite of this yesterday. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, 
Does he not know that we can see the tape from yesterday? Does he not know about technology? Mm-hmm. And that's what happens all the time. Like you said, hyper-normalization, where we just like, ah, whatever. Yeah, he's lying again. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 if there was something to come from this situation, I would like to think that more people will question what they're being told. Um, and it, it has the potential. More than anything, I think, we've ever been through, this situation has the potential to have that effect because it's the first thing that could affect us all negatively to make us want to analyse what we're being told. Um, but it, it may not. <laughs> and You're I guess... hopeful than I am, mate. Say again? You're a lot more hopeful than I am. I don't think yeah. we'll change. <laughs> I think no. we go further in the hole. It's got to get to the point of revolution before it changes. Nothing yeah. changes. Like, there's a thing they say about power. Power is never given. These people never give up their power that they have on us. They get more power, they keep more power, they want more power. Mm. Power, has to be, power has to be taken. And do you see a strong public at the moment ready to take power? No. Yeah. We are all bent over, mate. I think we 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 all feel, or those of us who are in tune with with what's going on, we all feel the weakest we've ever felt. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I certainly feel that as a member of society, being I don't want to say in prison because it's not imprisoned, is it? But it, it is tantamount to being uh, having you know your movements and your um, your time rationed um by a third party i think that there is is the issue um you know everybody's pain is their pain so it doesn't have to be like you're actually locked up in prison for it to feel like you're in prison you know what i mean if you lose anything you know that we consider liberty if you lose any of that that's like that's that's really really bad especially if you know you're not going to get it back you know, or you feel you're not going to get it back. Because when have we gotten anything back? When the, when the petrol price went over a pound, mm-hmm. um, like a pound was a benchmark. It's like as long as it rests at the pound. I remember I was, I was driving a lorry at the time and they're like one pound a, a litre. You know what I mean? You can sort of measure that. It started going up and it went up to one pound 30 odd, right? But it's not going to go back unless something like this happened. And then as soon as this is over, it's going to go back up here. We don't get stuff back. Things just no. get worse. No. I mean, my whole life, I'm sure, I mean, if you correct me if I'm wrong with your lifetime, but my whole life, things have only gotten, like, more and more restrictive. Now, yeah. but what we thought was freedom, like social media and all of that, we started seeing stuff that's happening on the other side of the world, and we think that is freedom. But then what happened afterwards? We started to talk about stuff like fake news, you know, and then we started to put restrictions on that. So every time we go up, we go back down. It's, a, it's like a, 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 a stock chart just going down. It's, mm-hmm. down. it's just heading down. We're not going to get any more freedom, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about, which we can't talk about tonight without time, 5G. Yeah. You know what I mean? All the towers I see going up, there's one on my building here. Um, since we've been on lockdown and the only 
key workers are supposed to be out. Key workers are 5G guys now. <laughs> you know, well, I, I think no one knows what a key worker is anymore. I think there's there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of key workers going on. You know what I mean? Anybody who's I do know who key workers. I don't think art teachers are key workers, although I'm not sure if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag just saying. I don't know. They might change that. I think they could be. I think a MMA guys and BJJ guys are key workers. I think they are. But I definitely think there's yeah. people learning art in the lockdown. Um, so I think there's going to be a resurgence. <laughs> <laughs> that is just a little joke with my friend Kerry. Yeah. It was, he is offended, but I give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's first on the list. When the food runs out, we're going around his house. Me and Dave already planned it. We're going around his house to eat him. But did he hoard some toilet paper as well? Now you see, if you're from Jamaica now, you just keep <laughs> those old newspaper stacks. They're just picking on me because I'm a I'm a white belt. That's that's what it is. White belt life. That, them white belt tears. I'm gonna catch them yeah. in a cup white and drink them. So they have to white belt art teacher. Blue belt, you're gonna disappear. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Going to the shadows. Or, or fucking coronavirus comes and closes all the fucking gyms. Oh, die. Well, it's a good like excuse for your blue belt. Oh, I can't train coronavirus. <laughs> the gym closed. <laughs> but it's open again. It's been open for a year. I know. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared. Isn't it still closed? No one's told me. Anyway, <laughs> we this has been the longest podcast we've done today. Two hours, ten minutes. I can do it in two parts, mate. And uh, well, we're gonna definitely. If you want to come back, we'll get you back. I'm uh, definitely coming been, back. It's been, been brilliant talking to you. It's been great. And then, and there's there's loads more to talk about. Um, so that has been it's been fantastic. I know I know I've enjoyed talking to you. Um, cheers, mate. Oh, thanks, guys, for having me. So I mean, thank you very much. Want to talk about what we're gonna do as opposed to what we've done. A bit more future than past. So if we do the next one, we'll talk about. Going forward, what, what we're gonna do? How yeah, we gonna do ideas. The art students. The uh, art, students. art teachers. That's from the apocalypse. <laughs> White belts and, and art students and teachers. Hey, the thing is, can't argue with you because you can you can beat him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can draw his outline. On the and then knock your door, man. Yeah. Open as it. Good as my yeah. Those time to invest in some burglar bars. Yeah. Hi mate, come for your dinner. Do you know what? This is this is a real joke because we're gonna be so nice to him when the gym starts up and we need stuff put on the walls. When he will go, Oh yeah, Kerry, you know that really We're only joking, mate. Skilled we're only joking. That you are, uh, is there any chance you can help us get a uh, oh. laminated We've got uh, these signs, mate? We've got, we've got these amazing signs to go up. Yeah, I've got, I've got to get you an invoice for that now, Adam. Switch <laughs> 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 Oh, I'm gonna have to stop being nice to him again. Now we'll just eat him, and then we we'll have to pay anything. Say again. We we'll eat him, then we we'll have to pay anything. I'm gonna be out to do the signing. That's, that's this is a bad move. We need to eat someone else first. Mate, one art teacher. There's another art teacher behind it. Oh. <laughs> right well thank you for coming max thank you to for being in 
on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you, George. Thank you, Kerry, um, for being a good sport. Thanks, Ad. Thank Crom for being a tech maestro. Tech mong. Tech mong, mate, yeah. <laughs> We're on back at the weekend. Um, just chatting shit, probably. So we'll see you then. Ciao. Ciao. Right, guys, see you soon. Cheers, mate. All right, buddy. Cheers, Max. Yeah. I'll give you a call, man. Uh, cool, brother. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Bye.